This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Today, you are in for a treat. I sit down with ministry director, trauma counselor, and author of the new book, My Yes is on the Table, Jennifer Hand. One of my favorite things about Jen is her ability to take hilarious personal experiences and apply spiritual lessons to Let's just say she has this gift of speaking modern-day parables. We talk about walking in faith despite fear, her prayer of surrender, and the portion of her book I shared with my counselor in response to a question she had asked me. This conversation will have you laughing one minute and deeply reflecting the next. If you enjoy it, please share it with a friend. And take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review of the show in your favorite listening app. Thanks, friends, and I'm so grateful you are here for today's conversation. Jen Hand, welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. Amber, I'm so excited, and I feel like I know you, even though I've never met you. So That's it's right. super fun to see your face on this Zoom, even though our listeners can't see it. I can. That's right. Oh my gosh. I was just telling you before we started recording that I feel like your book, My Yes is on the Table, it is the best kind of laughter and just pointing us towards the Lord. It's the best combination. Mm -hmm. So everyone should read it because if you enjoy laughing, need to laugh yet you follow Christ and you really want just to know more of what he has for your life. This book is for you. Oh, thank you. That's so encouraging because I do think we all need to laugh and not take ourselves too seriously either. <laughs> and that is part of the fun is when you say yes to God, you're in for a wild adventure. And you know what? It's, it's just great to remember that he's in control and just to be along for the ride. For real. I need the reminder all the time. Cause sometimes I'm like, Lord, this is not funny. Yeah. <laughs> this this does not good. feel very funny. Yeah. yeah, this is not funny, Lord. What are you doing? <laughs> it's so true. Okay. Well, as we get started, share a little bit of your faith journey with our listeners. Like, take us back. How did you come to know Christ? I think this is just the most fun question because I believe that our yes that we say to Jesus mm -hmm. is the absolute most important yes we'll ever say in our entire lives. So if you're listening and you haven't said that yes, today could be the day, friend. Today right. could be the day. And uh, let your wild adventure begin. Right? Yes, let it begin. Let it begin. And I was actually eight years old. So I was really young. And I remember listening to Salty, the singing songbook, Amber. I don't know if you know who that was, but he was a big blue hymn book that sang. Oh, no, <laughs> uh, I, see, I didn't grow up in Christian culture. So I, I can't wait to hear the stories my kids tell about, you know, watching Boz and all veggie tales. Are they going to be like, yeah, it was so cheesy. And my mom made us watch all I mean, Amber, you should for real, when you get done with this YouTube, Salty, the singing songbook. <laughs> It's the best. And okay. um, I grew up listening to that. And I remember Salty talking about heaven 
And I decided I wanted to go there. So <laughs> I ripped out a page of my rose scented diary with the, the lock and everything, you know, at eight years Aww. old, you have all the secrets and um, wrote a note to my parents that I wanted to know how to know Jesus. And I left it Aww. on their bed and my pastor's wife came and led my twin sister and I just in how you can know that Jesus came for you, that he died for you, rescued you from your sins. And um, I believed it. And I'm telling you, that faith like a child, you know, mm. I knew that I believed it and it, he became my best friend then and still is now like just so grateful that even at a young age, I came to know him. And I used to think that made my testimony boring. Uh, but you know what? I believe that anytime we accept the gift Jesus gives us from death to life, it is something to be celebrated with wild excitement. Well, and I mean, that idea that like, oh, it's boring it's one of those things where it's like, well, just because you come to know Christ doesn't mean you don't engage or encounter really hard things. It's just that you already know what he's done for you. And so it's not like, oh, the story just ends once you accept Christ. Right. I love that. And I love the reminder that each one of us has a story that he's weaving when we say yes to him and his glory in our stories. And so it is just the fact that he is with us. I mean, I just love that he is with us and he is with you. And as we say yes to him, we get to experience him. And it's just such a gift. It is a gift. Well, at some point in your life, you decided you were going to be a career missionary. And that is the story that probably could fill up this episode. But Take our listeners back. Tell us a little bit about, you know, where you went, uh, how the Lord led you in that. And then really what ended up shifting you back into the States? I actually was around the same time when I became a follower of Jesus, eight years old. Mm. I was learning about missionaries at church and the girls in action, which was like a mission club for kids. And I remember Amber making a salt map of Ghana, which I guess is like making Play-Doh homemade. (laughs) I don't know, but this is hilarious. I don't know what came over me, but I brought it home and I ate it. (laughs) You ate the salt map? I did. And I don't know. I just like salt, I guess, Amber. I don't know. And so I say that the Lord put the fire of missions in my belly, literally. (laughs) literally. (laughs) so all that to say but really I knew at that time I began to hear that there were people around the world who did not know about Jesus and even at that young age I began to believe that my yes to God would be living overseas and serving Mm -hmm. him in a place um, that was uh, a place that didn't have access to know Jesus Mm. so I literally went to college and with the intention of I'm going to be a career missionary I'm going to live and die in one country they're going to name a missionary offering after me this was my plan (laughs) and um, so after college I went to Nepal and I lived there I, I spent a summer before going career there and my job was to make maxi pads for the maternity ward at the hospital, which yes. is hilarious. Maxi pad making for Jesus. <laughs> you know what though, girl, I love that you say that though. Cause at our church, we do this event and it's called a Luo pad event. And literally everybody in our church will be cutting out like the material to make maxi pads for people because people overseas actually really do need that. There you go. You never know what, (laughs) you know, how you're going to be used the kingdom of the Lord. And uh, imagine the prayer letters I wrote home, you know, like what? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but that trip led me to fall in love with that Mm. place. And, 
Um, I went and I thought I would live and die there. And I remember just thriving in my Mm. yes to God. And sometimes when we say yes to God, we can think that that yes is the end, the final, like we've said yes to this one thing. It's big, especially when it feels very big Mm -hmm. and we can get very, I can get very comfortable in the safe and the same. And I remember thinking that my yes led me there. I'd said goodbye to everything and everyone I knew and loved. And so that I would plant myself there and be there. And yet I began to sense a stirring that my yes was not just for that place and that people, but God had more in store for me. And maybe you're listening right now and you have been in that point where you already said yes to the big thing or to this thing. And you've sensed, you know, we know when we sense the Holy Spirit stirring in our hearts and that shifting, and we can try to ignore that still small voice or think it's just hunger pains and you just need some more rice or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Rice. That's the first thing that came to my mind. (laughs) I did eat a lot of rice. I ate a lot of rice in the fall. Um, and we know when we sense that and yet sometimes we want to be like, but I already said, yes, Lord. And I just want to encourage you that surrender is what is part of our yes. And it is not a one and done. It is a daily, here I am, Lord, here I am. Send me, use me, take me, do in me what you have planned for me. How long were you there before you came back home? So I lived there two years and, but it was about a year in when I knew that God was stirring my heart that my yes did not mean staying there. And that sometimes our yes comes with no yeah. to what we think. Often our yes comes with no to what we have planned for ourselves. Yeah. So when you say my yes is on the table and you think back to when you were leaving this country that you thought like, I'm here, I'm here for good. The reality is, is that we even have to wrestle through some disappointment in ourselves or like, how am I going to appear to other people who have supported me, who have believed this about me? Like, am I letting people down? I mean, what was that experience like for you? I think that was the hardest part ever Mm -hmm. because I loved the title missionary. Mm -hmm. And when you can really, I found some real pride in my title and my work for God and begin to feel that my worth was in my Mm -hmm. work. And maybe as a listener, you're thinking, oh, I do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it's as a mom or as a employee, whatever, a student, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, it's so easy to take our worth and our work. And God began to show me your worth is not in your work for me. Your worth is your worship of me. Mm. And it was a hard lesson, Amber, because I, if I was to fill in the blank, I want to say yes to God, but I'm afraid of blank. Mm -hmm. my big one at that time would have been, what will people think of me? Mm -hmm. And they thought I was going to live and die. They're going to think I'm a failure. Oh, she didn't have what it took. It was too hard for her. And I, I just had to lay that down and just trust that I was listening to the voice of the one who had called me there. And then I was following him to the next space Mm. and place. And I didn't even know what that was. Amber, it felt like Genesis 12 where God called Abraham to go and didn't say where are given the roadmap. And in Joshua six, When they're marching around the walls of Jericho, God gives them the promise before he gives them the plan, because I think sometimes the plan feels a little crazy. (laughs) And it's just not linear. Right. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, I I really need the linear plan, not the like wandering around in the desert for the 40 years, even if it was caused by me and my disobedience, 
or because that's just what you have for me right now. <laughs> yes, I would like to straight point A to point that's B, right? right? <laughs> that's right. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. So there is a part of the book, and it's in the beginning, and I literally just shared it with my counselor last week because she had asked me a while back, I had said, I don't want to take this position because I'm afraid of failing. And she was like, what does that even, like, what does failing even look like to you? And I could not tell her. So I read this part of the book and I'm going to quote it because literally I walked back into her and I said, this, this is what fear of failure is for me. Um, you had asked people, you know, I'm afraid of blank and you wrote, I'm afraid of success in ministry or relationships because it adds a weight of expectation. And sometimes I'm afraid that it will require more than I want to give. Oh, that is so me. Um, and then you said, I'm afraid of failure because failure says to me, I'm not enough. I cannot live up to the expectation. I should not have tried. So after realizing you were afraid of both success and quote unquote failure, what helped you move from that place of just feeling paralyzed to just saying, you know what, I'm all in, or do you still have to do that all the time? All the time, Amber. <laughs> I mean, uh, amen. Dang yeah, it. <laughs> I know. I wish I could tell you one and done. It's a one and done. Um, but I think the big step was recognizing it. Mm -hmm. To be honest, that was the freeing part. And and that's the first thing I would say to anyone who's saying their yes to God right now and putting their yes on the table is I would like to be like, oh, I'm super Christian, Jen. I have no fears. <laughs> you know, but, that, but right. that's just not true. And I really don't think it's true of anyone. So I think the first key is recognizing your fear. And I remember when I was filling out my power sheets that I do every year with um, Laura Casey, Cultivate What Matters, and it asked the question, what are you afraid of? And I just wrote the first things that came to my mind. I tried not to edit and not make it pretty. I did have a pretty pin and some stickers, you know, that helps. Always, <laughs> you gotta because that, that makes it all better. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and I think I was shocked that my answer was failure and success because I realized that will make you stay stuck in between and not doing anything. So my first step was actually recognizing it and then running to the Lord with it and not mm -hmm. trying to pretend it or pretty it up, but just being like, Lord, I am terrified. And I, I mean, releasing this book, it really pushed me out of that point of, because mm -hmm. what if it fails? What if it succeeds? Both could make me want to shrink back and take back. And God said, no, this is how I want to move mm -hmm. in you and 
use you is say yes. And so I would encourage you to first recognize the fear. And then where are you running with that fear? Because I can try to eat enough brownies and ice cream to ignore that fear. Um, you know, and, and I have, we, we are say. true, true friends, because that's exactly where I would go first too. Brownies. Right. You know, you might, you might've left the therapist office and done that. Right. Um, and so it's easy to want to run to other things, to distractions, to scrolling, to trying to get approval from others so that I feel successful. But when I run to those things, they will never satisfy. Mm -hmm. And so part of it is where am I running with that fear that I have recognized? And then asking God, show me my next step of faith and Mm -hmm. I'll do it afraid. I will do it even afraid because if we wait till we're not afraid, we'll never do anything really. Well, and then when I think about failure, when I actually just slow down and think it's like failure, a lot of times really is so defined by like, the world and our own flesh. And, you know, I think about you, even when you, you felt like you were failing coming home, Mm -hmm. but it was what God was asking you to do. So even just that definition in our head of what failing is really has to be reoriented don't you think? Yes. And especially in today's time, when you can see everybody else's quote unquote successes, And compare yourself to everyone else's. And that's why I want to encourage you as well. Don't compare your yes to someone else's. Yes. I see this with moms a lot. I'm not a mom and I'm cheering on every mom, but who's like, Oh, I failed. If my kid you know, right now is may when we're recording and at, and at like all the end of the school year events and the things, my sister has four kids to remember all the things. And what if she said, Oh, I failed because I forgot that permission form and the field trip and the, you know, and, um, it's so easy to compare our yes to somebody else's and our view of what is success. And that's why we have to have to have to run to the Mm -hmm. one who comes along aside. It is, he's the one calling us and he's the one that will use us. And I I think of Joshua, imagine what he felt Mm -hmm. like in the book of Joshua, he's about to lead the people into the promised land. He's taken over from Moses, Moses, like burning bush, Moses, like went up in a cloud, got the 10 commandments kind of Moses, you know, and, um, how afraid he must've felt. And I love that God said to him in Joshua one, nine, be strong and courageous. And then this is the key for, I am with you. Mm -hmm. And that's so personal that God is with us and we can ask him to show us what obedience is and obedience is really what promised land living looks like. Mm. And when I'm obedient, then I am a success again, Mm. using air quotes. That's right. Um, Now I have to preach myself to that every day. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's good to have conversations like this. That's why it is good to read books. Like what you wrote. That's why it is great to engage in community where people understand like the difference between what success and failure really is in the kingdom of God, not in the kingdom of man. Right. Mm, Yeah. So this is something else I've been known to say recently, which gosh, it sounds so negative when I say it, but, um, I have said at times to people when they've asked me how I feel about certain things, um, I feel like God has led me to the edge of the promised land and has allowed me to look out on it and then ask me to turn around and walk back through the desert. Mm. Um, now that seems so dramatic. I know which is part of why I say it, (laughs) but that's how you feel, right? Right. And and when I say that to people, they are under the understanding in conversation that it's not necessarily really what God is doing. It's just the, the feeling that I have at the moment. And I share that because in the book, you talk about 
all of the scripture that you're sharing is really the story of Joshua Mm -hmm. and him going into the promised land. But you talk about when you actually stood looking into the promised land and God really reoriented your thinking. And I just want to hear about that because I can envision that and I've never been there and you have. So tell me all about it. Oh yeah. It's such a special thing because I have been blessed to go three times to the actual promised land, Israel. So awesome. And God provided in miraculous ways and Mm -hmm. just such a cool experience. And one of them, I was the first time I went, I actually turned 33. Um, on my birthday, I celebrated in the last place Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane in his 33rd year. So it was just so powerful. So I've been in the promised land. I mean, just everything. I wanted to touch everything. I'm like, I'm sure Jesus touched this grass. I'm going to touch it. You know, <laughs> more, there's a lot more desert than grass, but anyways, um, so I've been on that side, but in 2020, before everything went crazy in the world in February, I had the blessing to go serve in the middle East. And it was on that trip. It was, I was very fearful to go because well, things were very heated, not that they're ever not, but it was very, very heated. Yeah. I mean, they were telling, they were getting all Americans out. It was a very heated time. And, but I living with my yes on the table meant saying yes to go serve victims of war. So I was going over there to offer hope on the holy ground of suffering. I was going very afraid, Amber. I had people tell me, you won't make it back. You, You know, if you go, you'll die. And I just felt like the Lord said, do this, go. Mm. And when I got there, the first person I met was a woman who I had never met. And she was covered completely except for her eyes was all you could see. And she said to me, I had, I knew you were coming. I had a dream that a blonde hair, blue eyed woman was coming to tell me who Jesus was. Wow. Will you tell me who he is? Mm. And I was so blown away because fear almost stopped me from that. Yes. So on that trip, after that happened, that was so transforming to me. Like, I don't want to miss anything God has for me because fear stops me. Now that does not mean that faith means going unafraid. Faith meant I am afraid, mm-hmm. but I'm doing this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so on that trip, I got to go to Mount Nebo and stand where Moses, I mean, at least around where Moses would have stood and looked out. And we find that in Deuteronomy, the last chapter, Moses is looking out from Mount Nebo into the promised land, knowing he cannot go in because of fear that led to disobedience. And I'm so grateful. We have a God who's full of grace and who we can run to, and he can give us faith. Even, even I think of the father in scripture who says, I believe help my unbelief. Yes. Yes. But I'm standing there standing there looking out into the promised land. And I felt this revival in my soul that changed me forever. I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I don't ever want to miss one bit of the promised land you have for me. Hmm. I don't want to not be where you have planned for me because of fear that leads to disobedience. Hmm. And so, I mean, that's just like one of those markers in your life, right? Like I always talk about I just have these rocks, right? You know, you're walking through the Jordan river. God asked the Israelites, go back and pick up a rock, set it up as a monument for me so that you'll look back and remember my faithfulness. And that's one of those moments for you. I mean, have you reflected on that frequently when you're like, uh, I'm scared to death. Do you go back to that yes, time? I, I think of what it looked like to stand on both sides, because that mm-hmm. same trip, I got to go to the Jordan and there was 
thousands of people there because they were celebrating Greek Orthodox holiday where everyone comes to the Jordan. And so it was, it felt as if it would have at the Jordan River where they're about to cross over and they, you know, are taking those steps of faith into the promised land. And so whenever I have a big moment, even this morning, Amber, I got a call living with my yes on the table is to, okay, Lord, I've already said, yes, I will go anytime, anywhere, any place that you have mm-hmm. called me. And this morning I got a call to go minister to, um, Poland and to the Ukrainians. And, oh, um, wow. but I had to have a big amount of money by noon, um, oh to pay for it because it was a, someone dropping off a team. And I had to let them know by noon if I was going into in a week and a half. And you know what I remembered? I remembered standing on Mount Nebo and looking out and I'm like, Lord, I've already said yes. If this is what you have for me, I'm all in. And within two hours, $2,500 had come in for this trip. Oh my gosh, (laughs) that's so great. um, I love it. I say all that to say that my inclination was to say no, but I remember what God has done before he's always still moving in our todays and mm. our tomorrows. And it is so important at the third, I always say the first is to recognize your fear. The second is where are you running with your fear? And the third thing to do is to remember what God has done in your past. Cause yes. that same God is working in your present mm-hmm. and has gone into your tomorrow. And so I encourage you just like the Israelites did to pick up those stones of remembrance and be like, Oh yeah, he did it. Then he will do it again. And this is not always in those big decisions. Yes. So important, but also in your everyday little things where God shows up and shows off and shows out in just the fact that we're breathing. I mean, uh, Amber asked me what happened to my hand. I have on a wrist uh, brace (laughs) because I got injured. (laughs) Amber, it's so embarrassing. I got my hand stuck in my Nespresso coffee maker, trying to retrieve a coffee pod because I take coffee seriously. And so I thought I was going to have to go to the ER to have it surgically removed. (laughs) It was that stuck. Are you serious? That's how I pulled my tendon in my hand was pulling out my hand from the coffee maker. (laughs) So, um, you know what? I never knew how much we use our thumb and hand until this was injured. And so it's even in seeing God's goodness and little things like I have hands that work today, Lord, and I'm taking breath because you gave it to me today, Lord. And um, so it's not always in the big, I'm going to go to a work war area, um, and serve. It's also in the, you know, keeping your children alive. Yes. To God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, just the little gifts he gives us throughout our mundane Mondays as well. That's right. I love that because it is true. I mean, we have both, it's a both. And we Mm -hmm. have big moments and we have little things like one of my markers is just this one specific family. I didn't grow up where we all went to church all the time. I mean, I was in a culturally Christian area home, but not really, but there was this one family that was just very consistent in our small little church. They had kids around the same age. You know, they didn't necessarily pour God's word into all me all the time, but it was a watching of them faithfully go to church, care for people. That's one of my markers because it was for me, the the best example that I saw most of my childhood. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I mean, and and so it is little things like that, you know, you just got to pay attention to, but I want to ask you this because one of the biggest things or mistakes I sometimes see with Christians talking about saying yes, is this idea that saying, putting your yes on the table is like saying yes to everything you're asked to do. 
mm-hmm. which means, you know, you're asked to lead a Bible study. You're asked to volunteer at church. You're asked to, you know, be the parent of your classroom. You're a million things and you feel like you have to say yes. And then you're overwhelmed and you're regretting every decision that you made. And you're thinking, why isn't God blessing this? Because I'm about to lose my mind. Mm-hmm. I know that's not what you're talking about. And so I guess I want you to just kind of flesh that out a little bit. So people understand that living with your yes on the table does not necessarily mean picking up every single opportunity that comes your way. That is so important to um, know because otherwise we all will be overwhelmed, stressed out. And And useless, really. Yeah. (laughs) You become useless. In what God has for us. And I think oftentimes, yes to God comes with having to say no to a lot of things, just like my yes to God meant saying no to living in Nepal, because I couldn't have lived in Nepal and do what God has for me. And that's why I think it's so important to be in his word, in community, and in um, the more we know about the person of God, the more Mm. we know about who we are as people of God and what Mm -hmm. he has called us to. And I love how Psalms 139 says each one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. He's numbered our days. And so it is in the, when we say yes to God, we're not saying yes to all of man's expectations of us. Mm. We are seeking God. What is your expectation for me? What is your unique Thing that you have called me to. Cause when we're trying to walk in things that aren't, I mean, listen, I am raising my hand as a people pleaser, Amber. And I spent years sometimes saying yes to the things that were not his things for me and resenting it. Yeah. <laughs> and then me like, too. resenting or failing or doing it and not filled with, cause when God calls you to something, he equips you and he fills you. But when you're doing your own something, uh, that is a very different story. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage you to be in his word and seek him. It all goes back to communication. We can talk to the God of the universe, like the God last night, there was a lunar eclipse. I, I didn't stay up. I really wanted to see it. But I think about the fact that the God who knows every star out in the sky Mm -hmm. also chooses to speak to me and to you through prayer Mm -hmm. and through his word and through that Um, And we get to ask him, Lord, what is your yes for me? What do you have? And I mean, I think about, um, I was reading about David and Goliath today and the people tried to, as David said, yes to God, they had a certain way. They thought that yes should look out. Like they had armor for him and this is the plan. And he's like, no, God, I'm going to follow the yes for me is just a few stones and a slingshot and take that giant down, you know? And so it's just a reminder that People may have an idea of what your yes is, but God is whose voice you're listening for. And if you aren't familiar with his voice, dive into his word, because that's where you'll hear him speak. Mm -hmm. We're always being formed by something, right? And in our culture and in any culture, but particularly now with the busyness, we're often being formed more by other people's ideas and opinions than God's ideas and opinions. So it's just vital to be in his word, to be in community and people who are also in his word, you know, and that doesn't say don't be in community with people who aren't Christians. That's not what I mean, but people who are helping you make decisions or who you're asking advice from should be other people in God's word. (laughs) 
And I love that we have the power of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Who leads us. And that is such a gift for us because even the disciples, they got to walk with Jesus, but Jesus said, I have a greater gift for you. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. Mm -hmm. So he is highlighting his word for us and to us. And um, I just love that because he makes the promises and then he keeps them. That's right. He is faithful to do that. You know, I'm not always the best. I'll keep a promise every Monday. I'm not going to, you know, eat the brownies and ice cream this weekend, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, and so I love that we have a promise maker who, who keeps his promises. Yeah. And so if you're someone who's listening and you're, you're overwhelmed, that might be the spirit saying like, what are the things, you know, you got to ask him, what are the things I need to keep doing And what are some of the things I need to go ahead and step back from so that my yes can stay on the table? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And and as you, I would encourage you to to write the word yes and put it somewhere like as a, a prayer of surrender there's something about that physical act. Yeah. I, I even had it tattooed on my ankle. <laughs> I'm not I saying you have it. to do that. Um, but um, there's something about that physical act. And as you do that, God sees that surrender and that worship and that longing to hear from him. And he mm. will reveal to you what the next step is for that. Yes. Mm. He will take your fear stops and show you how to turn them into faith steps. And sometimes the fear that's stopping you is saying yes to everything. Cause you don't want to let anybody down yeah. and running to him and him showing you, this is the plans I have for you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, I can't ask this last question until I ask you to share at least one of these really, really funny stories <laughs> from the book. And I don't even know which one to choose Jen. I mean, there's the riding on the, is it the camel? No, the elephant elephant. Yes. Riding on the elephant. There's like sitting and leading people to Christ in I don't like just pick one because I don't want to give it away for the reader, but y'all, you just have to read the book. You know what? I'm going to pick a, the, um, a different one than you mentioned about me. I'm going to do the segue writing through. Oh, okay. Oh, (laughs) because, um, and and before you share that one, I'll never forget. I'm reading that story. And I had been in Washington. This is my, our 10 year anniversary. And I was just riding a bike. And now I can ride a bike, but I remember this girl coming right at me on her bicycle, unable to turn or anything, literally. And I'm like ringing my bell, watch out, watch out. And she almost hit me. And then she turns around and looks at her mom. It's like, I told you I cannot ride this bicycle in the city. I I was thinking about you when... So you have experienced this. Yeah. So I went to Washington with some friends and they paid for us to ride a Segway. And, you know, first of all, this seemed like a good idea, except for it's downtown Washington and the place where we rented the Segway, you have to actually go like with traffic. There are lots of people. And then you're on this tour to see Washington you know, all the monuments and they yeah. tell you all the things. So I go in, I signed the release. I watched the safety video and I wasn't really paying attention Amber. I'm just going to be real. <laughs> and I was more distracted by the very cute Segway tour guide. <laughs> and, um, the Segway, you know, they give us all these instructions and then you do like a practice run inside the room to get a safety checkout which is like super easy. Cause you can barely, there's, I mean, you're barely moving. It's a small room. So of course I passed. And then they give you a headset. You're supposed to listen to all the things. 
And I called it Nick, who was the tour guide, was whispering sweet nothings in my ear, <laughs> along with the like 50 other people on our tour, <laughs> several people from Asian countries and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, my friends and I. So we start on this tour and um, frankly, the segues have no brakes. You are the brakes. I mean, you, I, I did not know this. Yeah. So you lean back is how you stop or slow. And then you twist with your body to go whatever direction. So we're weaving oh through traffic and I'm here trying to listen to Nick whisper sweet nothings in my ear <laughs> and we're going down this hill. And then he's saying uh, to all of us that we're about to approach to take a right hand turn and things were fine until I could not remember any of the instructions, how to slow, how to turn, how I really hadn't paid attention to them. And next thing you know, I am off the Segway completely <laughs> oh, God. and the Segway keeps going because here's what you don't know. They keep going. <laughs> I mean, why do, why do we still use these things? They do not know. seem very safe. <laughs> and so he's jumped off his Segway and chasing down mine and I'm on the ground bleeding. And, <laughs> and he comes and he asked me, he said, what part of the instructions do you not understand? And I was like, all of it, all of it. every bit of it. But I'm like in the middle of downtown, I can't, I have to get back on the Segway. And it was just this funniest moment when the Lord, he always speaks to me in the weirdest times. And, um, you know, that Nick who really wasn't whispering sweet nothings in my ear, but in my mind, he was, <laughs> um, you know, was whispering instructions in my ear and I was not able to listen to them. And I, it just made me think of the distractions that we have that keep us from listening to the Lord who is giving yeah. us instructions. And often it's our own fear. And for me, I couldn't listen to him because I was afraid of what was happening. And I couldn't just just listen to him say, lean back and turn. And, and that's how you slow down is lean back. And also the Lord was like, what are you leaning the weight of yourself back on? Mm -hmm. Will you slow down, listen for my voice and lean back on me and then go for the adventure of a lifetime. So yeah, that's what the Lord spoke to me <laughs> on a second Through your crash. You know, and now I'm like, no wonder they do safety videos for people like me. <laughs> I know, but listen, I'm the same way with a video. I don't know that I'm really taking what I need to take away unless you're like manually showing me what to do. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, but well, let's close with this. Um, the show is called grace enough. And, and obviously we all experience God's grace all the time, but there are times when his grace is almost palpable, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just, you know, it, you sense it, and you really kind of feel like you just need to share it, share it with the world. Really? Is there one of those wow moments or some time in your life, um, where you really can say like, God, you showered down your grace. And I was just so undeserving. It's so hard to pick one. Amber. I know, like I know. So many are coming. So I'm just going to go with the most recent in releasing this book felt like God's mm. amazing grace because for 11 years, I was rejected as an author and I've never wanted to give up because one of my biggest fears is rejection. So I've never wanted to give up on something so much. And mm. the Lord just kept saying, don't shrink back, keep trying, keep saying yes. And he bumped me up against every fear I had of failure and rejection and success and all of those things, because his grace is he wanted me to just be obedient and trust him with the results. Mm. And so getting to 
in 2020 when the world is shut down, getting an offering from my dream publisher and getting to write this book. And now the grace is getting to see people saying yes to God. Uh, and it feels so humbling and overwhelming and so worth all those years of rejection. Yeah. And so that feels like grace to me that God did not give up on me or allow me to give up on the dream he had planted in me because sometimes we don't like waiting or I don't. And so what God told me and showed me is that in the waiting, he was always working Mm -hmm. and he was waiting for his time and for his best story. And that feels like grace. So when the week of my book release, I'm a a seven on the Enneagram. I love to party. I plan to party for every night. (laughs) I was getting ready to say, there's no way you're not a seven. (laughs) I'm a seven. And let me tell you, I plan to party for every night. And I invited everyone I knew because I felt like not to celebrate what I had done, but what God had done Mm -hmm. and what he showed me in his grace in that story. And one thing people said over and over is because they had seen over the years, my rejections and my failures and me not giving up on the dream. They got to feel like it was their dream also. And, and so that was God's grace. And I love that. He is a God of the impossible and what did not seem possible. He miraculously made possible. So if you're listening right now and you're in a situation that feels impossible, I want to encourage you to know that God is always working behind the scenes and it may not be in your timing or in the place or the plan that you expect, but he is always working out his purpose and he is weaving his glory into your story. And that is grace. That is grace. Well, Jen, thank you so much. If people want to connect with you, I know they can get my yeses on the table anywhere you get books they want to connect with you, listen to your show, all the things, where should they go? I love it. So I have a show called coming alive conversations. Love to have you there. And then you can find me at coming alive ministries.com or, um, on Instagram, I'm coming alive. Jen also, um, Facebook, Jen at coming alive ministries. Awesome. I hope that was as good for your soul as it was for mine. Don't forget to share it with a friend and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are currently listening. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.